Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've learned from my struggles with chemo brain and executive functioning disorder. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now entrepreneur, with 20 years of experience in business and office design. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, mom of a teen, a wife, and a lifelong learner. I've discovered that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget important appointments, we can learn to be more productive. We can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and much more manageable. Listen in and learn how to create a plan to streamline your space and your systems so you can be more focused and organized. Hey everyone, Katherine Avery, your host of the Uncluttered Office podcast and owner of ProductivityByDesign.com. I call myself the neighborhood, friendly neighborhood ADHD and productivity coach. And today I have with me Josh Little, who is like a tech app genius, so out of my field of expertise, it's going to be a blast because he'll have to uh, make this tech for dummies for me. Josh is the founder of four tech companies, Maestro, Bloomfire, Quizzer, and Volley, that have collectively been used by hundreds of millions of people. Who can say that? That's pretty amazing. His work was featured in TechCrunch, Mashable, Entrepreneur Inc., and Forbes, with two successful exits and a third pending. He's currently on a mission to save the world from death by meetings with his fourth creation, Volley. Welcome, Josh. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, death by meetings. I spent a lot of years in corporate before I became an entrepreneur. And I think death by meetings becomes even more relevant today because there's this funny little thing with Zoom meetings. Everybody assumes that you couldn't possibly have another Zoom meeting at, say, Mm -hmm. the top of the hour. So they go right until 1259 and you have a meeting at one. And we've lost that little gap we used to have where we could run back to our desk, drop off our things, you know, what the old fashioned ladies would have called powder your nose Mm -hmm. and maybe get a fresh cup of coffee. Those days are gone. So I am very, very interested in hearing about how Folly works because right now I'm using Voxer and WhatsApp to communicate with my team and my clients. And I started doing a little research on Volley and it is fascinating. Awesome. Yeah. You, you know, I, I remember also working in the corporate world and people would like lean over and show their Blackberry and say, look, I'm back to back all day as if it were some like badge of pride or how important they were. And I'm like, no. And, and now, you know, pandemic, we've all gone remote and we still need to talk to move work forward. We, we have to talk. We have to collaborate. We used to be able to lean over. We used to be able to pop in, see each other in the hall. All of those things are gone and a lot of teams don't want to go back, but how do we still talk like we need to talk so that work can move forward? How can we be in the flow of work all day? That's why we created Volley is to allow teams a way to have meaningful collaboration that doesn't involve calendars or getting on each other's schedules. So with Volley, you basically, you say what you need to say and you move on with your day and others can respond on their time in a threaded video conversation. And we use video because it gives the full spectrum of communication, uh, all of the tone of voice and the body language that that we need to understand each other and to get the message that, that we're trying to get across. 
Right. Which eliminates that whole big issue we have when we're texting and we might be making a joke and have to remember to put a laughing emoji so that people realize we can get a lot of trouble in the world of texting and email. When we're just, we're texting in our family, we try to keep it limited to picking you up at school or when am I picking you up at school? Sort of the when, where, how quick hits as opposed to the deeper questions of why. You're totally right. It's, it's a right tool for the right job when it comes to communication. Text is great for short, quick updates. Lunch is here. I'm out front, those sorts of things. But when we trust text to carry important messages with context to our team that we're trying to do this big thing and time is short and stakes are high, we're, we're trusting a very thin medium to, to deliver a very thick message, which may be, hey, I have this brilliant idea or, hey, I'm stuck on this problem. I, I'd love to just explain it. But nobody wants to write a book. And we know we've seen those emails and we've seen those Slack messages that's like, uh, I'll get to this later. And so it's just a lot easier because we can speak seven to eight times faster than we can compose written communication. Why wouldn't we be speaking and, and showing up to our team instead of you know, hiding behind the written word, which social scientists say only carries about 7% of the message. 38% comes from tone of voice. 55% of the message we're trying to deliver comes from what we look like when we're saying it, our body language. Absolutely. And that's an area I've always been fascinated by because I do public speaking. And in public speaking now, you're public speaking on Zoom. And I actually do belong to Toastmasters. And I was giving a speech recently, and I decided that since it was supposed to be about body language, that I would be standing up. But in order to stand up in my home office, I had to stand so far back. You really couldn't see my body language. I wasn't exaggerating it enough. I was doing what I would be doing right now. And people who are listening to the podcast can't see, but I'm I'm very much a person who talks with my hands. And I've Mm. learned I have to keep my hands out of the screen or fully in the screen so that people can see them. It's hard. Yeah. You, you mentioned you're a classically trained singer also. That's also a hard thing while you're singing or performing, using your hands too much, too little. If they're stuck to their side, it's weird. But if you're always up front and emoting, then that's weird too. So use of hands, it does speak a message all of itself, your hands alone. Absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned that because my daughter sings for School of Rock. And oh, cool. when she first started singing, she always held onto the microphone. So we would call her our little Eddie Vetter. Right. Yeah, <laughs> she was always, always holding the microphone, but literally in the stand right there. Fabulous voice, beautiful singing. She was little. She was seven. She just didn't yeah. have that stage presence that she has now. And it was so dang funny. I remember them. Some of the other girls were like, they were the backup singers. And Let's do a little dance that goes along with this. And my daughter's like, I sing here. I dance there. I don't sing and dance. Right. <laughs> she did it, but you could tell like a grimace the whole time, <laughs> which is very yeah. funny. So there is that whole presentation. I think maybe, and I, this is not scientifically proven in any way, but I think people who have been classically trained in music are very sensitive to hearing tone and intonation of voices. And it comes across in speaking in a myriad of ways, no matter how we're communicating. So that's sort of the other piece. Yeah. You know, as I've been creating Volley, doing all of the research that we need to do and 
it's been fascinating how we as human beings are the elite athletes at this thing called conversation. And we take so many things for granted about the nuances of conversation and group dynamics and things that we just sense that we don't even know that we're sensing, like a 200 millisecond gap between turns in a conversation. That's an example of like a fascinating thing that is transcendent across all languages and cultures. Somehow within us, we know that 200 milliseconds is the acceptable amount of time to wait after you stop speaking and when I stop speaking. And if I wait just 600 milliseconds, which is not even a full second, you're going to read that as an awkwardly long pause. And so for that reason, I have to think of my response. I have to generate it while you're talking. And I don't know when you're going to stop talking. And I know that I have to respond within 200 milliseconds, or you're going to think this is an awkward conversation. So I've got to start thinking about what I'm saying. And I know as a podcast, so as you've felt this, that you, you're not sure when your guest is going to stop talking and you got to have a good next question, right? And you're probably thinking that right now, when is this guy going to stop talking? Because I, I have 200 milliseconds. So that's just one of the fascinating things that is happening in conversation and the dynamics that we're trying to solve with Volley is kind of breaking those turns apart and allowing the time to exist that needs to, to create a better conversation. Because educational research tells us that anytime you can wait at least three seconds before a, after a question is asked and before a student is expected to respond, they, they come up with a fundamentally better response that's more succinct, more thoughtful. And that's just three seconds. So imagine if you had 30 seconds to just get what you want to say right. And how often can you restate what you want to say at work? Right. Interesting that you say that because I have been in coaching school over the course of this wonderful pandemic over the last year as I transitioned from in-person to online. And one of the things we learn as coaches is to listen. So I actually am not formulating my response to what you're saying while you're talking, minimally, maybe, but because I've learned just to listen and be in the moment. And so sometimes that means that I answer much more slowly than I used to, which is also kind of fascinating and probably good for me because I do have that ADHD 50 tab open at any time brain, (laughs) which means my brain goes about a million times faster than my mouth can possibly move. So the skill has helped me tremendously in just listening to what the other person has to say. Well, that's a rare thing in today's world, isn't it? No, absolutely. Absolutely. I've also found, going back to texting, that when I'm aggravated with someone for something that happened, well, sometimes, and sometimes it's my fault, I pause and stop and don't write that text because no matter how much we think we're not conveying how aggravated we are, somehow it comes through in the text. I don't know how it happens, mm-hmm. but people catch it and they know. So I've learned if I'm really aggravated, I've got to wait a day. Right, right. And yeah, you know, I guess taking that to back to volley, that's, that's kind of what we understand about conversation is... Uh, the time to think also can give you time to cool down or time to rethink. And that's kind of what I was saying is because of the nature of video messaging, it's just like any conversation. We take turns, except we record our turn with video, kind of like WhatsApp, right? But it's in a threaded conversation. um, And you can, with Volley, you can invite your team and they can create channels and conversations with one another. So it's like WhatsApp meets Slack for work, right? Uh, Maybe put those ideas together and, that, and you come up with something that looks like volley. But 
I find myself using the cancel button quite often where I'm recording something and it's not coming off right. And I know it and I can hit cancel. And that's just not something I can do in a synchronous conversation. So not only do I have the time, the 30 seconds or whatever I want to think about what I'm going to say, even when I start saying it, if it's not right, I can restate it. And so there's, you know, 20% of the time I'll restate what I'm saying. And I just get to like show up how I want to show up. Now I could totally use that functionality to obsess and be like a, you know, an egomaniac or something, which maybe someone could do. But I really like to think that it's, it's just allowing someone to show up how they want to show up at work. And so some of my favorite feedback that we've received from our users, well, I'll, I'll give two bits. One was a manager who said, you know what? I've got a couple of people on my team since we started using Volley that are like totally different in Volley than they are at work. And so I heard the other side of this from one of one of our engineers users who's who's a proclaims himself as a deep introvert. He said, you know, my friends on WhatsApp and Snapchat think I'm funny. They think I'm confident, but no one at work thinks that about me. I just don't know what to say in a synchronous meeting. I trip over my words. I, you know, I don't know how to contribute. And so I think it allows folks who need a little bit more time to process and to get their message right. And I would include myself as one of those people. I, I claim being a slow thinker myself. Like I always have the best idea when I get out of the meeting or when I go get in my car and it's like, dang it, why couldn't I think of that five minutes ago? Um, but I think well, I didn't have the witty comeback. Darn it. Right. Yeah, exactly. It sort of levels the playing field of, of conversation, which is really interesting. And another part of that is the group dynamic. Another really interesting stat is in a conversation with four people, two, two people will do 70% of the talking. But as that moves to six people, now three people do 60%. And as that moves to eight people, the same three people do the same 60% of talking. And it kind of just extends. So. Cool. As we go from a one-on-one -on -one conversation to a group conversation, it turns into something that's more like an audience watching a small group of people that are having a conversation. And you know, you've experienced the meeting, you've been to a group, like a, a dinner or something where it seems like that. And it's kind of odd, like we're all kind of just watching those two people talk and right. we're not saying much. And that happens in synchronous conversation as well, which Vali, that, that's what I say Vali kind of levels the playing field because anyone has an equal opportunity to hit the record button and to chime in when they have something that they feel like is worth chiming in with. I really like that a lot. I was in a group meeting this morning and was asked to speak about something. And as I was speaking, I lost my words. I had cancer five and a half years ago. I use the crutch of chemo brain. I probably don't get away with that anymore, ah. but I just don't always get my words. They're just missing. And just literally, I laugh about it at this point. Everyone who knows me well just says, oh, there she is, you know, whatever. And they don't think anything about it. And so this morning, as I was saying what I was saying, I said, oh, totally lost my words here. Hold on, took yep. a breath and started over again. And that's really where that cancel button would come in so handy, but not an option in a group meeting. Hold on, just delete. <laughs> Let's go back. You know, it's like when you watch um, law shows, never thought this was going to come up. When you watch law shows on TV and then they the, they say, you know, tell the jury 
please ignore the last comment. Like any jury is ignoring the last comment. <laughs> yeah, I right. know that's not the right exact words, but you know what I'm talking about on these yeah. law shows. And I'm just I like, didn't there's mean what no I said. way. There's no way that wasn't, in, they didn't get influenced by that moment there. Yep, absolutely. We can't take it back. So let's get it right. Ideally, right? Or at least close to yeah. right. Yeah, as best as we can do, right? Let's put our best foot forward, I guess, is, is the sentiment. Absolutely. So one of the really fun things about you, I love talking about things, not just business, is that you are a fifth generation pickler. And so when I read that, I was like, does he mean he played pickleball? Is he getting <laughs> pickled? In fact, it is that you actually, your family has been making pickles and I, I looked at the website and I loved the a full line of brine. I thought that was very clever as a person who's uh, really into communication and words. Talk to me a little bit about that. That's a really fun thing. Yeah. You know, my family didn't have money to hand down, but they did have great pickle recipes. And so in my safe at home, I have a leather bound book of pickle recipes that my great, great grandfather had, you know, handed down and wrote and, and passed down. And I used to make pickles with my dad when I lived in Michigan each year and I'd have an ample supply. But when I moved to Utah about 10 years ago, that was like one of my first moments of panic is like, oh, I don't have pickles. I need to start making pickles for myself out here. So I did and I made a lot and I started to give them to friends. And then pretty soon it was friends who wanted like four or five jars. And then friends of friends were hoping to get a couple of jars. And, and very quickly, it became like a several thousand dollar a year proposition to like jar and make pickles for all of these friends, which I was doing because, you know, it was just kind of a way to give people something fun and be an entrepreneur. But then it, it just got kind of grindy and expensive. So, uh, so I started charging and now more people want pickles. So each year we, we grow as much as we can on our acre and a half here and wow. in jar, couple thousand jars of pickles and and sell them to mostly locals. It's a total hipster hobby. It's a great way to lose more money than you're actually making in a year and spend a lot of time and sweat in the garden, but it's good for the soul. Right. And I would think at this point, maybe you're breaking even, at least people are paying you for them now. Yeah, they, they are. So we, we about break even each year. Yeah. Right. I'm guessing you never get back the money on the time. It's really a gift of love. It's a gift of love. Yeah. It really just pays for the new jars and the new labels and the website, you know, hosting and that little bit. Yeah. It reminds me of me making soup. So when someone's not feeling well, I make homemade soup. Yeah. And someone once told me your soup is like love. And I said, yeah, it's, it's a way, especially when my daughter was younger, it was a way that I could give back to people without having to go spend six hours somewhere doing something. I could do that right in my kitchen. And then I would put them in containers and freeze them and get them over to folks when they were not feeling well. And it was an easy kind of way to help people and be a part of community without you know, a massive time commitment. It's hard when your kids are little. They, For sure. They need, and, they need yeah. you all the time. And, you know, and I was working too. So it was, it was a lot. So on Sunday, I would be making the soup. And I still pretty much do that. Actually, <laughs> the making the soup is kind of how my husband and I ended up starting to date because he always saw me bringing the soup. We, we didn't work together. He was working at a job nearby and I was visiting a colleague. And he said, where do you get the soup? <laughs> I looked at him, talk about intonation. And I said, where do I get the soup? I make the soup. So that was That's pretty awesome. funny. And so now got, I have to know what kind of soup are you making? Do you have like a specialty, a trademark soup? Not really. 
I really? make everything from ham and lentil to split pea soup to various stews, chili. I love making chili. Mm-hmm. I make a lot of soups. I, I make some soups that are like Moroccan style soups. So it might be lamb. It just oh. ranges. I don't make much soup in the summer because we really go to the grill where we try as much as possible to eat seasonally. Mm-hmm. So right now for us here, it's soft shell crab and ramp season. I don't know if you know what ah. ramps are, the little tiny onions. So right. whenever we're out to dinner or whatnot, I'm ordering those soft shell crabs because I know it's this season. I'm not really comfortable cooking them myself, but I do enjoy eating them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Soft shell is something it seems like you could get wrong pretty easily. Yeah, we've made them once. We had a friend over who really knew what he was doing and we made them together. I haven't had the guts to do it since. Well, that goes back about 10, 15 years. Goodness gracious. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about this whole idea of video with Vali because I didn't realize that you could do video on WhatsApp or Voxer. Can you? I knew I know you can do voice. You can on both of them now. It's kind of it's a buried functionality because they're kind of text first or Voxer is audio first, I guess. Right. But volley is very much a video first. 80% of the volleys sent are video volleys. And people come to volley for that reason because, you know, of what I said before, we still need to talk to move work forward, but we're not connected in the way that we were. And it turns out all of those little interactions that we had around the water cooler in the hall, that conversation we had at lunch, catching up in the parking lot, didn't seem like anything when we were having them. But when you take them away, they equal connectedness, they equal relationship. And so we see the video messaging component of Volley being very important because of that, it kind of brings back that fun and spontaneity that we may have lost when we met, went remote. And now we're doing things like Zoom happy hours and you know forced fun activity. And those just don't work. It has to be in the moment. It has to be natural. It has to be right. organic. You can't say, hey, everybody, let's talk about board games right now. And, and now yeah. the Zoom happy hour never took off for me because I'm on Zoom all day long for my job, yeah. for, for my work, what I do for a living. So by the time I'm done, I over the day, I may have done four or five Zooms in one day. And the last thing I want to do at 6 p.m. is get on a Zoom to have a cocktail hour. It's just not going to happen. I'm, but I also am a little bit on the introverted side. I know a lot of people don't believe me on this, but I define, define as does um, Susan Kane, who wrote Quiet. Quiet, yeah. And the way she describes it is introverts recharge by being alone. That's how they get their energy. And that's the case for me. So mm-hmm. for the big conference you would go to for three days, I'd come home a complete dish rag. I had to learn. Absolutely. I had to learn how to manage my energy. So maybe that meant that I would have lunch with fewer people. And sometimes people really got offended. They're like, but you know, all 10 of us want to go. And I'm like, well, pick two because that's all I'm doing at lunchtime, you know? And if you can't roll with that, well, then you all can go off and I'll go by myself. But I just have learned that I, I went to a conference, oh boy, 2019 before the pandemic. And a very dear friend is like similar to me in this regard. And I stayed with her. And it was great because we'd leave before the evening events have dinner at her home with her husband and son, have a nice, really quiet evening, either reading a book or watching a movie or something. And I was able to give more of myself the next day at the conference. So I think there's a place for connection and conversation. And then there's also a place for 
stepping back away from it all and just being introspective with our thoughts. That's right. Yeah. Especially when I read the book, Quiet, I felt the same, like, she knows me. Right. Yes. Wasn't it great? That, that was so good. Like, yes, of course. That's why I'm just totally frazzled after a week of training or, you know, whatever, because I'm constantly connecting and trying to feed off of energy and draining batteries. But you're right. There is there's kind of a place and time and that's what we're hoping to get right with Volley. And this was very much what Bloomfire was, my second company, which is now Bloomfire is one of the premier knowledge management platforms out there. And it was kind of a, a new thing to do in 2009 when we created it, be social at work, share content with one another. Now it's just natural. Like, of course, yeah. we're going to share content and there's going to be a place that we're going to put all of this stuff. But that's when I started thinking about how do we get the right information to the right people at the right time at work? And with Volley, it's very much in the right way. Right. You know, it's showing up to our team, how we want to show up, when we need to show up. And it might be shocking to admit this, but at Volley, we have only one scheduled meeting a week and we almost always cancel it because we're constantly in the flow of work. When you're using Volley heavily, right. and you're checking in, syncing up, unblocking, talking about that issue, and you're in, in a half an hour's time where you may have been sitting in a meeting, you're in 20 conversations. Wow. And it, the work is just flowing. And for someone with ADHD, this might be a beautiful thing, right? Like, this is my superpower. I can, I can do this. In fact, one of our top or our very top user is severe ADHD. And he is, he's like hard to have a, a conversation with where you need to get to a point, but he's just amazing at all of the different topics that he can cover and go deep so fast, right? So Volley wow. actually works well for him, you know, in, cause he's, he's an angel investor and he, He's able to uh, get seven or eight new pitches a day from entrepreneurs and go back and forth and be talking to several entrepreneurs at once. And that's kind of the beauty of, of Volley is we, we trade the synchronous. Now, for emotionally charged conversations, for really tight feedback loop stuff, you need to go synchronous. You should not fire someone asynchronously. You should not have that, a, that accountability conversation asynchronously. You should talk live about those things. But for everything else... You kind of don't need synchronicity and you, it's kind of better if you don't have it. Fascinating. Just amazing. So we're actually winding it down. So I'd love to ask you if you have another, in addition to Volley, productivity pointer for folks. Well, it is kind of uh, in line with Volley. I would say the, the productivity pointer, which I kind of pointed to, I guess, which is replace your back-to-back -back meetings mm -hmm. with an asynchronous video message. And the best way to start is with one meeting. Like if you do a stand-up or a daily check-in or maybe a one-on-one -on -one or a brainstorm, whatever feels right for you, right. but just replace one thing and just see how the magic of asynchronous can work. And what we find is teams pretty quickly say, oh my gosh, what else could we replace with this? <laughs> like, right. how, you know, and so they kind of end up starting to replace all of the meetings. Replacing all at once is a, dis a recipe for disaster. We're fine. Yeah, like if you no. cancel everything on your calendar and just expect to like start flying day one on Bali, it takes a little bit of time to ramp up. No. And what I love about this is you're really offering what we do in co coaching, which is awareness, action, learning model. And that is yeah. you become aware of a problem. Let, and then you take an action, a small baby step action. Let's change one meeting. And then what did we learn from this? Oh, does the meeting on Tuesday also work on Volley? Let's test run Tuesday as well. 
And yeah. you can go from there. And it's pretty exciting stuff. I love it. How can people find you, Josh? Well, Other than coming pretty, to Utah and knocking on the door for pickles. <laughs> yeah, come on, come on over to Josh's Pickles, Highland, Utah. No, go to volleyapp.com. I'm pretty easy to find. Everyone gets a conversation with me uh, or me and the team called Hello Volley. Mm -hmm. So if you download Volley, you're going to be talking to me in, in the first session uh, anyway. So, so yeah, volleyapp.com. Plus, I will say this about volleyapp.com. Fantastic blog posts. Wow, yeah. I can get over. The content is great. So it really gives you a chance to read beyond this if you're like, well, I'm still on the fence about volley. And you know, I don't really truly promote on this podcast. But if you want to see like, how does volley compare to Zoom or Slack, et cetera, that's all in those blog posts. And it's really up to you. And as I understand it, Josh, volley's free. Volley's free. Yeah, it's totally free. We'll, we'll have nifty. a paid version someday. We have hundreds of ideas of cool things we can build, but we just want to make sure that the medicine cures the disease. Like we want to make sure the product actually does replace meetings, that it actually does make work move forward faster. And that's what now thousands of teams are finding. That's fantastic. Thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Ah, it was my pleasure. Thanks, Catherine. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. If you like what you've heard, please share this episode with someone you think needs it. I would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews make my heart sing and can help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.